Welcome to How We Did It, a podcast dedicated to dentists teaching dentists. This podcast is powered by eAssist Dental Solutions, and all of the guests are eAssist top practice providers that share their experiences, best practices, and what set them apart in their communities. All right, so welcome everyone to today's podcast. I'm excited to host our two ladies in the industry, Dr. Summer Cazamel and her billing and insurance specialist, Allison Puppy. Did I say that correctly? You did. <laughs> <laughs> welcome today, guys. Thank you so much for joining me on our podcast today. Yes, thank you yeah. so much. It's really just such a cool thing you guys are doing. And the more I hear about it, like it's really I'm so excited about what you're doing for the dental industry. I think so much of what you guys do is not being done in the dental space. Um, and so thank you guys. Thank you for hosting us. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more um, from someone who's been in the industry my whole life. It's really nice to be able to bring providers together and kind of just provide a new avenue of resource for providers, for patients, for, um, you know, people getting into the industry, maybe still in school. It's just a nice perspective that we really didn't have before. So I'm oh. excited to be a part of that too. Yeah. There's so many resources now that um, younger docs have that, oh my gosh, they truly don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. They don't even have to beat their head into the wall so many times. They really just have so much at their fingertips now. Um, almost too much, I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. much to implement. So. I agree with you. It's almost like as soon as, and I can remember working with doctors as they were graduating, they first stepped out the door and it was so overwhelming. There's so many different paths to choose. And you kind of have to just gamble. It's Russian roulette, right? But now oh. it seems like those are narrowing. The pathways are a little bit more guided, maybe a course map at the beginning of them. So hopefully it's going to continue to grow because then it just further reflects on our patient care as, you know, as an industry as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah. Butter run businesses are truly the best things for our patients too. They're, because you take care of the team who then takes care of the patients. And so when these systems and businesses are, running well and smoothly, it really affects, the ripple effect is so huge on really the community and the people in the offices too, so. Yeah, I agree. Well, and I'm excited to be hosting today to um, congratulate you on your top practice award for March, 2021 with eAssist. That's a pretty awesome um, establishment just to have a top practice. And I always like to ask um, any winner what a top practice is to you and what you thought about re receiving that reward. Hmm. I'm like, Allison, do you want me to start or do you want to start? <laughs> um, I mean, to me, when I, you know, first saw the, the email and, and um, just heard that we were awarded that, it, you know, it was just an honor, um, you know, and, and working for Dr. Kazmel um, is just an honor in, in general, you know, and that's how most of us feel here. So to just be recognized, I think, for our hard work, but also, you know, eAssist has really, um, you know, the team of gals that I'm working with are just incredible. Um, I'm actually having so much fun. Um, I, I just picture us as this little triangle because there's two of them and me, um, but they have allowed you know, me and us to accomplish so much at our offices. Um, so I'm so grateful all the time for the help and just the knowledge. I learned so much. Um, but yeah, it's just an and And I think too, you know, I think to expand on what Allison said, I think, you know, for us being a top dental practice, 
is so much not about what other people are doing, but it's everything about what we're doing as an establishment, I think. Um, and for us, like it's, it's genuinely true that our mission and our core values um, are what I think set us aside and sometimes um, are even difficult for new team members to understand how seriously we really do take them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think becoming successful for us means having a huge impact, yes, on our mm-hmm. patients, but also on the team members around us. We have mm-hmm. such a huge mission to um, improve um, all team members professionally and personally, no matter how long they're in this um, organization. Mm-hmm. And and because I think we do that, like I said, our patients are so much better taken care of. So for us, success is so much, um, like I was saying in the very beginning, running an establishment that um, is... Um, like I said, systemized, um, and every team member really has a pathway for becoming better um, and exudes those core values um, and that mission kind of on a day-to-day basis. For us, that is actually success. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, the numbers and business acumen um, of overhead and our PLs, they have to be there, of course, too, because that is part of it, is um, being fiscally responsible with our businesses. And that's where to tie into what Allison mm-hmm. was saying, um, e-assist and the billing department specifically are such a huge component of how dental practices are successful in ensuring that responsibility and good stewardship mm-hmm. of all that they're collecting. Right. You know, you said something that I want to circle back around about your mission and vision for your practice. I think that's something that is easily overpassed in many practices or even from many practice owners. I mean, every successful business, the first thing or one of the top things that you see is their mission, right? Or their vision statement. They, they'll have it somewhere kind of on their main webpage or something to that extent. In healthcare, I don't think it's the same connection, but man, I can tell you in, in practices that I have seen that have that mission and vision, it, it's almost like a map of this is what I want my practice to look like. And it's the compounding effect of this is what my, what I want my team members to feel like when they're here and when they leave and what they pass on to my patients. We've all been in practices where the assistant, maybe the doctor's not feeling each other, right? Like yeah. there's yeah. tension in the upfront staff and that like, it makes it uncomfortable. Like you don't want to be there. You want to get in, you want to get out. But man, I've also been in offices. Like, it sounds like yours where it's my second home. And I look for forward to my cleanings and what treatment can I have? You know, that kind of thing. And I think the same thing goes from um, an employee's perspective. How nice is it to wake up in the morning to think, I'm excited to go to work and work with the people that I love. And maybe we don't always have to get along because it's work and we're humans. But from the core of it, I know that doctor's mission and vision is clear. And that set a path for me as an employee, as a patient, as where I want to bring my family. I think that's just such a huge foundation that practices can instill um, that leads them to that ultimate success in all different areas. It all just kind of fuels together. Absolutely. Well, and the nice thing is, is when they're posted in the operatories and, you know, a lot of our team members in their own little areas have these posted up. So patients see it, we see it. Um, It's a built-in accountability of us being able to look at each other and say, wait, 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 you know, our number one core value is servant's heart. Are we really being that right now? You know, knowing that our core value is accountability, can we look at each other and say, 
we were a hundred percent accountable in that moment. So it, it's, you know, really for us, not just stuff we hang on the wall, it's how we hire, it's how we onboard. And then it's really the gold standard that we hold each other to. Mm-hmm. We're not, per, you know, perfect, of course, but I will say that we all know that's the direction we're going and that's who we're hiring. And often that means who we're not hiring as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you can see the results in that. I mean, obviously being recognized as a top practice, I can feel it just in talking with your team member and just the energy that you have in the office. I know that's something that, you know, if, if it's business driven to start, that, that's obviously an essential need. But I, I've also seen where that balance, I think, causes the financial aspect to be even more successful, you know, Absolutely. and where you can build smarter and not harder and stressing the team members out. I can remember being in Allison's shoes by myself. I would work chair side, bring the patient up front, do all the insurance billing and verification. And man, to be able to have that ESS team to like reduce that stress, I can now give you doctor everything that I've got because they've got that taken care of. It's, it's really nice just that the, the way that um, dentistry has evolved and, and how there's so many resources so that you can focus on what's important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, I want to transition into um, our next question and kind of taking you back. Um, you, You kind of explained how you've implemented your mission, your vision, the feelings within your, your practice and, you know, just that overall success. What got you into dentistry to start with? Uh, what, what brought you into the industry? Which one of us would you like to know that about? I would like to know about both. I, honestly, I think both journeys are are very unique. I mean, I'll, well, then I'll let Allison start. Like mine will be probably a lot shorter than Dr. Casmel's. Um, so I um, I would call myself an incredibly detail oriented person. Um, I even say to a fault most of the time. Um, and you know, it sounds corny. I'm just one of those. I, I like insurance. I don't know if I'd say I love, (laughs) I, I, I love like insurance, um, just numbers, details. Um, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to know (laughs) what, what I'm, what I'm kind of good at. And, um, so for me, um, I was drawn to, I had actually never been in dental before Castle Peak. Um, and I was drawn to just the incredible um, things that everybody had to say about this office. Um, you know, it's a smaller community and um, everyone I, you know, know comes here. And it was just incredible things I had read online and about the practice. Um, and then for me, the position with the billing and insurance, um, you know, is initially what drew me in. And now just being a part of this team, um, it's incredibly rewarding. Um the culture here, um, for me, it's, it's everything. I, I love, love everything about just this organization and my job. (laughs) That's really cool. I want to work for you, doctor. (laughs) 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 I can just feel it radiating. I just, it feels like it's an awesome place to be. Um, yeah, well, and I want to say too, like she is incredibly humble, but what's amazing about her is she had some, you know, she had some knowledge of insurance, but more from like a medical perspective. And we definitely hire based on culture, not necessarily fully just capabilities, which I know people hear a lot about that, but that is really truly what we do. And so we saw her level of detail, but more than anything, we saw her already on her own, um, exude so much of 
what our core values are and who we are. Um, and we knew that she could be additive to it. And so when she came in, what's crazy is the first six months, you know, if anybody's listening, looking to bringing on somebody from outside of dentistry, you absolutely can do it if they're self, you know, starting, if they've got good initiative and they're really, really willing to be open to learning because dental is different. She was like a little sponge and she has now, you know, taken such a huge initiative to research things. She did a lot of work at home. Um, she works with other consultants who are really in the um, billing space to be the very best biller and coder possible um, to the point now where she helps other people um, in other offices learn how to do these things. Um, and so I really just, I don't think she gave her own story enough credit of like, you know, she went from no dental to within, I don't know, three years, truly running two large multi-million dollar offices by herself. So pretty huge. Um, it's pretty huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, not everybody can just do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it, it really is possible if you just, the first thing I would tell people is, you know, you can be the Allison of the office, but you really have to have somebody who's kind of that self-starter and has a huge um, accountability and initiative piece. So just, you know, heads it's up. so funny that you just said that because that's exactly what I was going to mention. I talk to a lot of doctors right now, the hiring crisis is really hitting hard. And I just heard those doctors listening to this podcast thinking, where can I find my Allison? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and what's funny is I get questions like that all the time, or I have a practice director kind of that oversees the practices and they're like, where's a Debbie? I need a Debbie or I need a Brittany or I need an Allison. And I'm like, they're around. The problem is, is they may be at Starbucks, <laughs> you know, and, and that's where I find doctors are sometimes not willing to put in the work on the front end to develop a really good hiring and onboarding process um, to take these people who might be these truly amazing diamonds in the rough and move them into these spaces. And, and I find that often they'll just keep hiring um, people with experience. Well, sometimes with that experience comes, as we all know, a lot of bad habits mm-hmm. and things like that. And so um, I'm such a fan and I, and I love hate COVID that it really forced us all to become so much better in that hiring process and onboarding mm-hmm. than I think we've ever been before because of how difficult it is. Yeah. Um, so um, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, kind of- I think that was perfect. <laughs> and I just want to capture that just a little bit more because I think it's so impactful in what everyone is dealing with right now and not being able to find good help. And I think we sometimes do get accustomed to hiring within our tunnel, right? And the ones that do have the experience, I mean, I've even heard the ones that do have experience right now are so expensive that practices can't even afford that. So it just circles back to that foundation of your culture and your value that allowed you to then explore and find a diamond that you would have honestly probably passed if you only had that experience credential or experience requirement, you know, as Mm -hmm. for that, that position. Absolutely. Well, and often they bring in, like I said, you know, whatever bad habits, potentially a sense of entitlement. And I'm finding right now, because I talk to a lot of doctors too, you know, there's a sense of like, gosh, I feel so handcuffed to people that I didn't really want in the first place. Well, then we got to figure out how do you break that cycle? And the problem is, is a lot of times dentists can't get off of the hamster wheel long enough to sometimes take a few hours to really determine what part of their hiring and onboarding process might actually be 
a little bit broken. Um, and so sometimes spending the time to really analyze who are we getting in through the hiring process? Because sometimes it starts with something as simple as your own ad is attracting the wrong mm -hmm. type of right. clients. Mm -hmm. um, so starting with you know a really good ad and then moving through that hiring process, Allison mm -hmm. is actually part of our little hiring crew that we have because it doesn't start with me. Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of times doctors are sitting there thinking, I don't have time. I need to let my front office person just pick whoever she picks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a little tidbit, that's one of the best things over the years that I think we've done is force ourselves to reanalyze that entire process from start to finish. Mm -hmm. um, because the candidates you get, um, is going to determine so often, obviously, the core values, the entitlement, all of that, you know, that you're getting that person in. You always, we always want people to have high accountability and self-starters. Well, if you didn't hire somebody that that's something that they naturally do, it's hard to teach that somehow. So mm -hmm. No, I think that's really valuable. I, I think there's a lot of providers or anyone in that situation that can take away and think, mm, maybe I need to change my perspective. Look at this a little bit different. What do my ads look like? What am I truly trying to hire for? And what can I train? Because yes. that is really valuable. The, the bad um, practices that you can get in adopting in Man, I've seen some doozies. I mean, from ESS perspective, we, we see a lot of it. That's um, somewhat why we're in business to be able to help fix those mistakes. So I think that's huge. I hope that anyone listening can, can really just um, capture that and it helps their practice. Um, yeah, I hope so too. And I, I could talk about that whole process forever, actually. Yeah. Just, you know, just because it is such a huge I think it's 75% of um, having the culture you want is really just hiring and onboarding smart. Um, mm -hmm. Cause if you hire well and onboard really well, spend the, the time to onboard well with those really good standards and expectations, mm -hmm. um, give them a path for improvement, um, give them a path to reach 30, 60, 90 day goals. If you can do that in that onboarding process, I do find that you've set that person up for success immediately. You've hired a self-starter, you've hired a high mm -hmm. accountable, and now you're giving them really just this pathway um, to hit the performance metrics that they want to hit. They want to do that for you. Right. I just, you know, I was that doctor a few years ago and I, and I'll answer that question that you initially asked, of course, but you know, I was that doctor a few years ago that didn't have that process honed in and my culture became a mix of whatever personality traits, those people decided to bring that day. Um, there was no common goal. There was no common mission. There was no direction. Um, and I didn't necessarily have high accountables already on the team. And so that's just a tough spot for doctors to be in. And often it, it feels overwhelming as to how to get out. Um, and it all starts with the doctor just spending at least a couple hours, um, you know, every week, looking through that process from start to finish and talking to the people who are doing the onboarding and ensuring is the product that you're getting on the other side of that onboarding, what you actually want. If not, I would just say push pause before you make your next hire. Um, so that's really awesome. And I think it's cool too, how you said that, you know, you were kind of a, a victim to this, the previous circumstance of everyone's hiring process. And that's where you recognize this isn't going the way I want. And you were able to kind of change. I think that that also gives, you know, anyone listening, struggling through that or about to approach that a little bit more motivation to say, I don't have to have it right from the start. And this is an ever evolving um, pathway to make the perfect fit for my practice. 
A hundred percent. Well, and, and the first thing that has to happen, and I joke, this is why I'm not always the most popular person in the room, but it, it has to start with the owner. Um, it absolutely has to start with that person saying, I'm actually, oh, I hate to say it. I'm not a victim of these circumstances. Um, I just keep getting what I tolerate. Mm-hmm. And in, until I choose to say, gosh, darn it, I'm not going to tolerate this because I know what is out there. I know the level and the standard I want. Um, you know, until that doctor really kind of draws that line in the sand, um, really you're going to keep being the quote unquote victim of what you get. Um, and really none of us are victims. Um, I think ownership starts from the top. (laughs) And so truly that ownership mindset has to start with the top and then it trickles down to the rest of the culture around you. I, I hate knowing that really sometimes the culture I see is really just a reflection of myself. Um, but it's, for me, I would say probably the biggest um, transformative thing that has changed my practices over the years is realize that I actually have complete control over a lot of these things. So that's pretty cool. I, I mean, I, I know I'm learning a lot. I, I get to talk with providers every day that the one thing that they said is when I graduated, I, I didn't know how to run a business. No one ever taught me how to be a business owner. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the pieces of advice are just gems and so valuable to any provider listening, I, any HR off, uh, personnel in an office, because um, I feel like just with those kind of tools and tricks, they can help their provider too, who, who may be busy and filter through some of those things to get a good solution. Absolutely. Well, and doctors taking a real inventory with those people who are the gold standards in their office. If they could, if they could make a million Allison's in their practice, that's who they'd want. Well, then that's the person you start with. You get those influencers in your practice and you start with them and say, this is where we're going who's with me rowing the boat, because here's the standards we want to hit. So you can transform a previously, you know, perhaps toxic culture, you can transform it to actually have it become more of the Allison's and the Debbie's and the Britney's for sure. But it's going to have to start with that owner. And then it's going to trickle out to um, hiring people like Allison, who, who kind of what we were saying, who are those diamonds in the rough, and you can take them through that onboarding process and know that on the other side of it, you're going to get that standard that you want. So that's pretty awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing. I know we deviated a little bit, but I know I do that. <laughs> I just can't believe right now. I mean that I'm not kidding. If I talk to 50 providers a day, the number one thing I hear is I can't find help. Yeah, I hear it too. Just so you know, because yeah. I talk to a lot of providers and I know that right now it feels hopeless. Mm-hmm. It feels like I don't know what to do. And if I could just help one person and that's where it's like, I'm happy to tell you how I got into dentistry too. Don't get yes. me wrong. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I do want, cause I know that right now this year has been hard, by the way, it's been hard for us too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've done this a while, but you know, if I can give any hope out there to somebody listening, who's like, there is no hope. I'm telling you, start with you. Look at the things that are going well and how do you actually reproduce it? Can you change your hiring and onboarding process to actually take somebody who is new to dentistry, but has all the core values that you want? And can we turn that person in 90 days to 70% of that position that you're wanting? Because by the way, there's really great um, resources out there like e-assist, there's insurance verifiers. Um, There's even things like front office academy that can take people who don't have experience and in 90 days really train them well. Um, and so I think doctors should know that there's resources out there 
for sure that can help train people with no experience. And you can start changing the culture with every person that you add. Mm -hmm. Um, so if, if I can help anybody with that sentiment. <laughs> no, I think I, I honestly do. I think that's very helpful. I think that's one of the things that everyone's combating. And, and it's not even just business. It's clinically, you know, and finding a good assistant or anyone that can be chairside and helping or hygiene. Um, now, I do have a question on the same lines for anyone maybe dealing with a sense of urgency. What have you done in that um, where you had no one, you needed someone immediately, but not sacrifice the restructuring of your onboarding? So I'm not going to lie to you. It is tough. The first thing I would say though, is look at the people that you have first. Um, and like, I have a, a leadership team that I look to them first and I say, okay, guys, we can all see what's going on from all the different viewpoints of, of both big organizations mm -hmm. with what we have now resource wise. I know it's a stretch, but what can we do right now with who we have start there? Sometimes without even having those conversations, I find doctors make decisions that really aren't even in the best interest because they had resources right there. We've had Allison's and Debbie's and Julie's that step up and say, actually, to be honest, I'd rather actually stretch myself a few hours this day than hire a wrong person. Um, so start with who you have, take inventory of hours and who you've got. After you've done that and you've kind of taken that inventory, it's figuring out exactly what position do you need next. So don't just say front office person, ensure do you need a scheduling coordinator? Do you need a treatment coordinator? Mm -hmm. Do you need a, um, an insurance person? Mm -hmm. What do you need? And then develop your ad for exactly that mm -hmm. specific person. Um, we like to, you know, make sure that our ads actually have some sort of call to action at the bottom. Like, um, and it's silly stuff, like send your resume, your salary um, requirements, and your last book that you read that you absolutely adored, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, sometimes we do silly stuff like your very favorite candy. The reason being is we're going to get in those cover letters, um, the level of detail within that cover letter. Mm -hmm. If they don't even send any of that stuff, Allison and Andrea, who kind of are our first kind of line of defense, will be like, oh, that's <laughs> that's not even answering their stuff that we want. So start with who you have in your organization. Create an ad specific to um, the people that you're targeting. You're going to get potentially less applicants, but you're going to get the qualified ones. Okay. Um, so then you can actually narrow it down amongst those people. If, if you, if you feel like you don't need experience in that position, which let's be honest, I mean, hygienist, you have to have somebody, <laughs> experience, but really the rest of those positions mm -hmm. you can train up for. Um, mm -hmm. Then you actually have to hire for that position, hire the right culture. And then, like I said, it's check your onboarding process. Mm -hmm. um, I see often this is where things can just go awry is because there is no process. It's mm. I'm going to have you go ahead and just go with Debbie up front and just kind of watch. And by the way, if the phone rings, pick it up. Yeah. Ah. Yep. <laughs> Everyone's like, well, that's how I started in my office. <laughs> and I would love to say I've never done that, but no, I, I mean, I even tell doctors, if you're sitting there thinking right now, like I've got nobody, I've got nobody up there. I hate to tell you then it's you. So you should know better than anybody what you want that phone call to sound like from the start, if that's who you're hiring for. So you may be coming in on a Friday and you may be setting the stage for what you want and how you want it to look. But it starts with taking that inventory to decide who are the gold standards in your practice. And if you have them, see how they can help with that onboarding process. Um, so that's really how, for me, if you're sitting there thinking, I'm in a panic right now, that's kind of the process I would go to. If you're in a massive panic, 
You can utilize temp agencies and you can utilize headhunters. Believe it or not, there are headhunters for every position you can think of. Oh, um, you'll pay them, you'll pay them for sure. sure. <laughs> um, you'll have to pay them for their services. But if you want somebody looking nonstop for your practice, whether it be front office hygienist or dental assistant, there's actually dental headhunters to look for these positions. Um, so temp agencies and headhunters can be um, for right now. You can also, we have a hygienist that's on a temp contract right now. So she's working for us for six months. Um, you can do things like that. There are some really interesting ways to find people. Um, the resources are a little bit more difficult and you'll pay more, but um, if you need Depending to be on where, what's what, what area in the spectrum you're at in that sense of urgency. Yeah, um, that's, that's really cool. I think, I mean, it's enlightening for me, obviously I'm not necessarily in that owner's role, but it, it, I'm sure that you've cracked that tunnel light where they can see the little light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and I've got a little bit of hope. Um, and that's why these podcasts are so important. I think absolutely. You know, because they don't yeah, and that's, come and see you in your office or be in your community. <laughs> so it's nice to be able to broadcast like, hey, you can do this. You've got this. And let's just figure out where you're at in the process and then streamline it. Absolutely. Well, and that's what I find all the time is I wish I could literally reach out and like hug everybody right now. Because like I said, I am Midwestern and from Kansas. Yep, so I, I know. I, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but more than that, too, like I love when I get to get, be on phone calls with doctors because often, like I just got off the phone with one. It was just, what's the next step. Yeah. That's all they need to see is sometimes they're waiting to map out everything perfectly. Right. Don't right. do that. <laughs> Let's just take the next right step. So as much as you can see in front of you, what's the next right step. And sometimes just giving those next one to three steps, mm -hmm. that's all they need. And so that's where I hope that, you know, they can kind of say to themselves, as we just discussed through that, what's the next best step to start changing the culture? What's the next best step to becoming that quote unquote successful practice, which this is really what this is all about is, you know, what does success look like for you? Well, for so many doctors, it's developing that culture that um, they actually want, not what's being thrown at them. Um, so that's really what this is all about is these doctors having that hope and that sense of um, control that they really can start to determine um, the level of success for the practice, whatever that may mean. Yeah. So I think it's so cool. I love the industry that we're in. I mean, everyone that I meet, obviously we're in the industry to help patients and help people, but I think it just goes so much further than that. I mean, and I'm sure you and having that Midwest personality, that's just being helpful and nice and loving to everyone. But I think just anyone like Allison, I'm sure you would call any office manager that's freaking out today because she can't get something done with billing or insurance or is stressing out. Same like doctor for another provider that's figuring out owning their business. It's just nice to know that we're in such a loving industry, you know, to be able to help others and, and help them through these stress and struggles and kind of give tips and where we've learned. So Absolutely. Well, and that's where I would say too, is you know, and, and I'm not try trying to plug anything. So please know that, but there's hey, really, away. You're fine. This is just conversation. <laughs> there's really beautiful resources out mm -hmm. there for doctors that are positive, that are helpful. You know, there's groups for, um, you're just starting a business or you're expanding your practice or implants or pedo or whatever. And these doctors who feel hopeless, the thing is, Sometimes you feel hopeless because you're on an island. Yeah. And yeah. if I can help doctors just not be on that island anymore mm -hmm. and start to collaborate 
with the Allisons mm-hmm. or me or whoever, um, I promise you, you will literally never have a week where you don't have the next right step. Right. It's right there in front of you. Well, and how so much stronger do we feel walking into any kind of battle or struggle when you've got that support, you're interlocked with your, your, your teammates and your colleagues and your friends. Um, how can providers find the DSN um, if they are looking yeah. All they need to do is truly, um, if you go into your search engine and look up dental success network, you'll see, um, that organization. And like I said, if you go to that website, you can click on, I believe the 45 day free trial. Um, and I highly suggest to try it out. Um, you know, a lot of times people are like, ah, it's yet another thing, but it's not obtrusive. It's really your own leisure. Um, and often I find doctors, I mean, I literally seen little posts in certain rooms about help me, (laughs) somebody help me. If you can help me within the next few hours, I have a patient that's coming and I'm totally stressed out. How cool is it? Um, and unlike other platforms, what I will say is it really only allows positivity. Um, we're there to support each other, you know, be kind, helpful. Um, and that's all that's allowed. And I know, like I said, Allison has been able to connect kind of through that organization where other doctors have said to me, can your billing person help us billing out the Invisalign? And my team leads have been the most amazing and helpful with, you know, helping other people as well within the teams. Cause you know, it's not just the doctor, it is the team members. It's um, it really is um, such a huge collaboration. And so Um, If I can give doctors any sense of there is resources out there that are inexpensive, extremely helpful, and there's no ulterior motive. Right, right. (laughs) It really is. And we have to be advocates for that because all it takes is to see something or someone advocating for you to find, oh man, where has this been all my life? Um, This is totally off subject, uh, but during pregnancy, they have some of those postings, some of those community centers where you do feel alone. I can tell you what, that got me through my first pregnancy. I can only imagine it being an owner of a business where I'm taking care of human beings and I'm staffing and employing people's livelihood. You need support structures. And maybe your spouse who's not in the industry um, doesn't necessarily understand those struggles and can't really relate when it comes to, I just need a, a person to talk to and, and bounce ideas off. So absolutely huge advocate yeah. for that. We have to provide any resources that are working and proven. And even if it doesn't work for someone, there's no pressure. You know, same thing with e-assist. If our services are there for a need to support the practice, then that's great. We don't have any pressure, but we're here if you need us as that. Absolutely. And that, by the way, is very true. I actually Uh just reached out to Wendy last week about something and I was like, help, Uh (laughs) help us. And she was like, you've got my cell phone number. You let me know. Uh So (laughs) I mean, we're stronger in it together in, in any spectrum in any topic if anything that you look at um and, and you know uh, one thing that i was thinking of when you had mentioned that allison was talking with the provider on your your group ultimately that ultimately that comes down to that patient right we've all been that patient that something's gotten dropped it didn't get billed now i've got a big bill so it's huge to think as a patient or uh, my loved one being that person that tra- uh, that Allison was able to talk with the doctor about billing Invisalign, that may have saved them thousands of dollars that people don't have right now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's just it is you get to join with like-minded, passionate individuals who care more about growth and learning 
different ways than being right. <laughs> they care more about being in a space where it's, what can I bring to the table? What can you bring together? You know, what do we learn from all of this? Mm -hmm. And that's just it is really the people who benefit are our teens and those patients mm -hmm. by us being the best versions of ourselves and, and pushing ourselves to grow in communities, you know, like the one I know we're a part of, it really does make everything better for everyone. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And I think, I mean, I've, I've been able to host this top practice podcast for a few months now. And so I feel like I talk to the best of the best of the providers, because to have a top practice, you have to be doing something right to leave that footprint. But it's so profound. Every time I, I do get to learn more and, and that just deeper personalized approach, the footprints that you're leaving in your community and how it's rippling, like we talked about earlier, that ripple effect, that's huge. I mean, and being able to capture things like on this podcast, I can just imagine those providers thinking, I want to leave that same footprint. I want to be someone that has now helped another provider that has helped their patients and they have rockstar team. You know, it's just, it's, it kind of gives you goosebumps, you know, cause it just those little things just blow up to be so. Absolutely. Huge. Well, and I think to myself always, like when I'm talking to doctors or I'm doing things like this is like, I genuinely hope so much that on the other side of whoever's listening, you know, really somebody else can be transformed because of it. Mm -hmm. Um, like I really hope, you know, dentistry is such a hard profession. And then yeah. you add being a good clinician with running a really smart business. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. And we talk about all the quote unquote hats and all the things like that, but it really is a difficult, difficult, stressful business. And, you know, I see so often doctors saying, and I think the statistics show that something like 70% of doctors 10 years out, wouldn't choose their profession again. Yeah. That breaks my heart because really that just means that somewhere along the line, something's derailed. And if I can, if I can just grab a hold of one of them, because by the way, I was that person at year 10. That's yeah. part of my story is I was ready to, I knew I was going to go in for multiple years worth of surgeries. Um, and I was going to be on crutches and wheelchairs. And I was like, I think I'm just done. Like, you know what? I don't have the culture that I want. I don't enjoy being here. This is all too much stress. I think I'll just be done with it. Well, some series of events happened that I figured out with a lot of work, don't get me wrong. How do you run a really successful practice to where your hands don't have to provide at all? And so I become so passionate over the years about helping doctors develop practices that serve them just like they serve their patients and their team. And for me, by the way, that is a successful practice is time freedom and financial freedom. And so I want to build that for my team and we take great care of our patients. And so I love and think to myself all the time that if I can help one more doctor, if I can listen to one more doctor's story, if I can just get a chance to just help these doctors, maybe see things in a light that truly give them that glimmer of hope. I, I pray for those opportunities whenever I can, um, because that's just, it is, it's such a isolating field. And I, I so hope that people listening to this podcast can just catch that glimmer of hope. And, and that's what, like I said, platforms like Dental Success mm -hmm. Network, podcasts like this, you're not alone um, in whatever you may be feeling. Um, and, um, you know, my hope is that they can actually reach out and really connect in that community that's going to help them start to transform their practice. Um, but you have to be willing to 
step out of what has been comfortable. Cause sometimes the discomfort is actually what's become comfortable. So having to step out of that to really decide once and for all, I'm going to change this practice to actually be successful to me. So, well, and I think it's so inspirational too, how you shared that you, you were there, you were kind of having that self-reflection. And I think it's always, I'm going to put a funny analogy in place, but it's, it's easier to learn from someone like say in weight loss when they're losing weight with you mm-hmm. versus me watching someone who's a size zero, a hundred pounds and are saying, lose that weight. Right. <laughs> Maybe not motivating, <laughs> you know? but it is so motivating to know, like you were on that threshold where you were like, I'm done. I'm going to be part of that percentage, but then just a pivot you're going to reduce that percentage and make an impact on other providers to reduce that percentage because of change of perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I actually Googled, I remember it very, I remember and was thinking about this. I Googled what else can you do with a doc, with a, you did a DDS degree. What else can you do? And I was like, Oh, I don't want to teach. Oh, I don't want to do that. So I was like, shoot, am I stuck? And actually what's funny is in that feeling of being stuck, I was like, there's got to be something else. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sometimes it takes things like that to figure out, you know, where to go next. Um, And so, yeah, thank you for doing things like this because hopefully um, there's somebody listening who was in my shoes, who can really reach out and collaborate with some people and um, start to just make those steps to creating kind of the culture and the level of practice that they really do want. Yeah. I think anyone listening, hopefully they're on their way into their practice and this just gives them the boost of inspiration they need. They're going to sit down and think, I can do this. I can change my practice to what I want. I'm not getting the results I need right now. Or maybe I am and I need to make just some small tweaks and join um, a group that I can talk to and bounce ideas off of. And maybe it's taking the practice to the next level of growth to another location or, um, you know, wherever they may be in that journey. There's, there's a lot of inspiration on this is how you can still succeed. This is how you can pivot and transition and bring your teams together, set that good culture and value in place. You'll have a good success just sticking Absolutely. with it. Well, and sometimes you just need people to listen to you to figure out what does success look like to you? I find so much we are, we're just subscribing to the recipe that people have told us we should sure. subscribe to. Yep. And Often when I talk to doctors, women and men, I find that your recipe card might look a little different. And by the way, that's great. And that's fantastic. Do that. Um, head east if you want to head east. Don't try to head north. Um, so, you know, I think sometimes platforms like DSN or things like that, you can actually just have people who can help you even define what that looks like. I think it's all the time that I feel like doctors feel like they should have come out of school knowing that. You don't nor should you. And it's going to change over time. So it's a cookie cutter mold. I don't think it'll ever really be duplicated, even with one owner and two practices, they could be completely different footprints, but maybe still have the same um, morals and values and kind of ethics that they bring. But I agree with you. I mean, there, there is no, um, it's like parenting, there's no rule book, there's no map. um, But there's successful ways to do it in a, in a multitude of that spectrum. Absolutely. And defining what it looks like for you is the most important thing because what success looks like for other people and comparing yourself to what you think looks like successfully, you know, in other practices, that just doesn't always go well because you'll get what they got, but you won't be happy with the results. 
and you don't know necessarily that they are happy with the results or that where they're at. So you have to ensure that it makes sense for you for what success looks like. So, well, I, I think that's really great advice. I think providers, I think team members can look at that too, what their level of success is in their individual roles. Um, so I think there were some really good things to take away from. We're going to take a quick sponsor break and then come back. And I just want to, um, we can touch on what kind of got you into dentistry. I know we circled around <laughs> that question. And then I always like to ask what from both roles as a dentist and as the insurance and billing specialist, what your best advice is to anyone listening, whether they are also a provider or a team member. So we'll come right back and touch base on those. This podcast is sponsored by eAssist Dental Solutions. eAssist helps dentists collect 100% of what dentists are owed by insurance companies. Their dental billing experts work with dentists and their teams to ensure the claim submission process is smooth and that dentists and their staff can focus on patient care. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance with the dental billing process, call 1-844-E-ASSIST or visit dentalbilling.com to find out more. All right, welcome back. So we are hosting our top practice winner, Dr. Summer Casamel for their March 2021 ESS Top Practice. And we were just talking about some great information for practices that are in transition, that are looking to either grow, streamline their processes, hiring for accountability and the culture that you want to create long-term in your practice. Um, Dr. was able to really give us some great points. Um, So I'm super excited to see how our listeners are able to pick out those nuggets, implement what they really need to join those support groups to talk with other um, colleagues in the profession. And then Dr. I just want to circle back um, and see, you know, Obviously, you're very motivating and inspirational to other providers and just wanting to help. What, um, you know, rewind before you were in dental school, what made you want to get into the dental profession? So, you know, it sounds crazy, but even as a kid, I knew that I was going to either (laughs) own a like um, beauty place, like a hairdressing place. I was either going to own that or I was going to be a dentist. So evidently I decided to combine the two passions and (laughs) be a dentist and own the business. Um, But um, I started shadowing when I was really young as a kid at my dental office. And then I became a dental assistant when I was 18. And so I got to actually decide, do I really enjoy working with patients? And then I was so fortunate that the doctor I worked for as an assistant was kind enough to allow me to come in and really just learn all aspects. Um, So that's something that I love too, is when people are interested, I love getting them in through dental assisting or a different position to start with, because that can go in so many avenues. but um, because that opened up a world to me that I ended up getting into dental school. Um, I went to dental school in Nebraska, and then I came out um, and was an associate for a few years before um, I ended up purchasing, um, you know, the first office that I was in. Um, we grew that, and then um, added an associate. But I ended up. I have hip dysplasia, and so I ended up with multiple surgeries, being out for huge amounts of time. And I joke that I added an associate as wrong as I, anybody possibly could have. And so, um, I threw her in with really no guidance. I mean, like onboarding was just awful and was like, I don't know, good luck folks. (laughs) And so I, uh, started though, during that process, um, a dental assisting school out of my 
main location really as a means of starting to find more people in my area. I actually live near Vail, Colorado, up in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. It's hard to find people. Um, so it's an added layer of difficulty finding people. So I started a dental assisting school as a means of finding good people and even supplemental income because I couldn't use my own hands because I was on crutches, wheelchairs, all that stuff. So um, I, ex I ended up though between the dental assisting school and joining um, a consulting group and things like that, I actually started to really understand the numbers and um, it became such a fun thing for me to learn the business aspect of um, my practice. Well, I ended up, that ended up working well for me and I, I really understood the business aspect. And so I was able to grow that practice um, acquire another one in our town, merge that one in. So we kind of doubled in size, expanded that practice. I then purchased a second location in a town nearby, um, grew that one. And then um, just last year, I lose track of time, but I think I, last year I purchased a fourth practice, merged it into that second location. And so now we have kind of two larger practices in the Vail Valley. Um, we have our dental assisting school, which has been just such a wonderful help in actually um, finding good quality dental assistants that we actually train to work into the practices. Um, and I now sell that dental assisting program actually to other dentists across the country that might be interested in doing the same thing if they can't find um, really good, well-trained dental assistants, especially like right now. Um, mm -hmm. We sell that program so that they can um, potentially have a dental assisting school, you know, out of their own location. So that's kind of how I got in and kind of the metamorphosis of going from GP dentist to kind of what I do now. So that's really cool. Not, not a straight line. I mean, it's no. like a lot of the different experiences. <laughs> that's really cool though, because it's gotten you to where you are now to be kind of multifaceted. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So that's kind of my story. <laughs> I love it. I always love that. Um, so I want to transition into like the top pieces of advice for both of your positions while we're, or before we hit that, one thing I do like to ask is, um, since we just talked about what got you into in the industry, if you could rewind and have the best gift of talking to yourself the day you've graduated dental school, what would you say would be your best advice to do the same or maybe do different? Mm. Oh boy. <laughs> Allison, I think she was asking you first. <laughs> um, I, I think we all would like that opportunity, right? At our 21 year old self. <laughs> oh, I was, I was not 21 when I graduated college. Well, but, um, <laughs> it's a little older. Um, you know, for me, the way I live my life, I, I wouldn't change anything. Um, I, I am a strong believer in you know, the way things happen, um, you know, trust in the timing of your life. Um, I had to go through every experience and learn so much to get where I am now. Um, and I, you know, I've said it before, but being a part of this team is, you know, what I have been looking for for so long. Mm -hmm. And I never would have found this or been here had I not went through, you know, all the other steps that I needed to go through. And I've learned a lot at all the different, you know, places I've been. Um, so not to sound corny, but that's probably how I would answer it. No, I don't think that's corny at all. <laughs> I, I think that's totally authentic. I mean, that's pretty cool. And, and it's what I love about your journey is it sounds like even if doctor was a, what is it? A 
podiatrist, you still would have, you know what I mean? Like you still would have figured out because of the culture, because of regardless of what industry or what she was servicing as, as a practitioner, it sounds like just that, that fundamental culture and value is what maybe, then correct me if I'm wrong, that your path has had led you to wanting, you know, it's kind of like a good relationship. Like you've been through, we, we've all been through really bad ones, but once you find that one, it doesn't matter where you live, what you look like, you know, it just is what you've been striving for and you've got it. And that, that's all that matters, you know? So I, that's what I got from that response yeah. was, um, no, sure. Cause I found 100%. what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I found a place with the core values that just a hundred percent match who I am as a, a human, um, a team that is so incredibly supportive, growth minded, um, you know, and doctor is, you know, I am super fortunate that, you know, anything that you want to learn more, um, grow more, I'm a resource, you know, she, she does, she supports that and allows like, you just to learn and go um, become a master in kind of what you do. But, um, you know, and then I just think actually my, you know, what I'm strong at with the details and the insurance and the billing, um, it's just kind of everything that, you know, here. So that's pretty cool. I, so, um, this has been a first for a couple different reasons in this podcast. <laughs> and I will say, I always like to ask this question and I typically don't prepare you for this question to get, you know, that raw, real answer. Um, but you know, you, you've changed my perspective on this question a little bit because I've always thought of what would I tell my younger self? What would I tell my younger siblings and how they could, <laughs> but I think I, and, and I was just kind of self-reflecting a little bit internally. You're absolutely right. I don't think I could change anything because we may not be in the same place we are today. Well, right? and we've all had experiences and, and went through things that were hard or not ideal, but, but it is true. They got you to where you are. And, you know, doctor touched on, um, I did some medical insurance and billing before this, which wasn't for me. Um, but I think that opened the door also for me having the experience. And I truly, again, for me and how I live my life, I, I think that experience was so necessary for me to be here. Yeah. So, No, I love that. And thank you for changing my perspective on that question. Cause I was looking at it from a different perspective. So thank you. <laughs> well, and isn't that, by the way, that's the really cool thing about hiring outside of dentistry. <laughs> That's such a beautiful, valid point as to why, like, I love getting people outside the industry because that's just, it is, by the way, Allison brings exactly what you just had to all facets of our practice because she's never seen it. Like we've all seen it. We've all been in it for 20 years. So, you know, for her, she's like, (laughs) have you guys thought about this? So, yeah, no, I think that's really something to consider. I've been, I was born in the industry. And when I say born, like on the air force base, both my parents in the dental uh, clinic, never been out of it. So you're a hundred percent right. I have something that has been dental, 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 dental my entire life that I wouldn't even have these alternative experiences and opportunities to bring to light. So, I mean, I think that's valuable for the people that have only been in that industry and for, you know, just the change of perspective. So that's cool. It circles back to once again, not having that cookie cutter hiring process and I mean, this is why, you know, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I need to get left out, but no, I'm just kidding. But we would be stronger together, you know, yeah. with, with my experience and only soul dentistry with someone coming in, 
oh man, that's a recipe for uh, amazing things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty yeah. cool. So, and then doctor, what would you say is your, um, well, let's, let's reposition oh. that question, <laughs> I guess. Um, if there were any things that you would change, um, mm -hmm. or what your best advice would be to anyone listening. Yes. Well, and what I would say is, you know, cause I do get stuff like this often. I love, like Allison said, <laughs> the obstacle is the way hundred yeah. percent. Um, I am, I couldn't agree more with all of that. The things I think I would say is, well, one, um, I love ownership mentality. And if I would have spent more time thinking about what I could do versus the circumstances that made what I couldn't do, I would have gone faster and further quicker. Um, so I think ownership mentality is number one that I think I would have said to myself, you're limiting yourself by thinking about all the things that you can't control. Um, and we hear stuff like that, but it's actually so incredibly true. So I think that would be a big thing. Um, and I would say, you know, something that I recognized as I've gotten older is that it's not what you know um, that's concerning. And I think there's a really great quote about this, about it's not what you know that's concerning. It's about what you think you know and think you're right about. And I find that when I talk to doctors, especially seasoned ones, it's, I always hear, especially if they have been in the industry, well, this is just how you do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the older I get, the more I'm like, there's so few things that I know for sure. <laughs> you know, sure. I, I feel actually, it's not what I know that's probably going to get me in trouble. It's what I think I know. Mm -hmm. And so I find that if I could have in my younger self, been less sure of everything that was so certain, I would have been more open to the people in my life to growing in certain ways that maybe I wouldn't have before. So I have that now in the back of my mind all the time. Do you know that for sure? Um, and, and the list is so short, <laughs> what I know for sure. Yeah. I feel like that's a life lesson that we could all take away. Right. Um, man, that, that one took me back. I, <laughs> that, that's really good advice. I, I mean, and I speak vulnerably just personally as a growing mother and, and that, that advice you could use in many platforms. So mm -hmm. thank you for that. Yeah, no, I do. I, I subscribe it always to myself, really, first and foremost, both of those ownership and challenging what I think I know. Um, I use myself. I hope anyone listening today, I mean, obviously, the biggest takeaways are how you can really change and implement a strong foundation in your office, and how your team plays a part. But just even that question right there to sum up our entire podcast is, is perfect. I mean, because it will really get you in, in a perspective of thinking and change and openness to not being so rigid and maybe shutting walls that would have opened up something even better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. cool. And, and there almost always is. And that's kind of the pursuit that we are on is constantly, what else is there? What don't I know? Um, and I feel like the more practices can do that, I promise the quicker and the better you're evolve. And not only that, you start to surround yourself with people who think more like that. Yeah. Let me hang out with those people all day long. So you know, it's funny you say that. Cause that's what I was just going to is I'm sure everyone listening is thinking, how can I listen more? How can I be a part of this team more? Um, so they can find you through the, and I, I acronym it as DSN. What is that? Is it. it is. Okay. So they can okay. find you and you um, have a women's group that you're hosting with DSN. 
I do. So I have a women's group in there, but that being said, um, I'm obviously in all the platforms. So, um, but there's, you know, there's lots and lots of dentists. Um, so it's, um, you can be a fly on the wall and just watch, or you can get really invested in time and energy spent and, and really getting there's checklists on their protocols, how to start, um, an office. Um, there's how to build out an operatory for eight to $10,000 per operatory. Um, there's really great resources on there. And then of course you can reach Allison and I, um, you can reach me just to scasmel at gmail.com. Um, I will say I get lots of emails, so I don't usually answer within, you know, 24 hours, but I will always get to them all. So scasmel at gmail.com. Um, if you want to actually find me and then Allison for billing stuff. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, um, my email is billing at castlepeakdental.com. Um, and I love helping as well. I, I truly do. Um, I have been, again, so fortunate to learn so much in a short amount of time. And I love sharing anything that I can to help that I've learned. So that's really cool. Yeah. Now, I also wanted to, uh, to capture if anyone is looking for the assistant training. I know we had talked about that. How can they find that information? And that one's easy. It's just daschools.com. And when you go to that website of daschools.com, you're actually going to go click on the doctor button, okay. not the student button. That's for our students. So doctor button. And then you can actually get a sample of the course curriculum, what it looks like. Little heads up. If there's any doctors out there who are thinking like, yes, I want to do this. You need a long runway for this. The process of getting things licensed in your state, it takes a while. Some states don't even allow it. So if you're listening in North Dakota, I'm so sorry, you can't, <laughs> you can't have a dental assisting school of ours um, there. Um, and I feel like there's another state or two. So you can click on there, see the curriculum and know that you probably need a solid six months runway. So if you're thinking about it, I would highly suggest mapping out, you know, the next six months before you can even have your first class. So, well, some really great resources we've provided today. And I think just overall motivation and kind of stimulation, whether you're a doctor or a team member, um, you know, owning your own practice, about to, about to graduate. There was so many just different pieces of information, um, whether you're a mother or your weight loss. I mean, we covered it all today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I have really enjoyed talking with you. Yes. I wish I lived local so I could come. It sounds like it's a fun family environment there. Um, yes. We would love it. Well, and if you are ever in the Southern Illinois area, you definitely come on my way. <laughs> yes, exactly. And who knows, you may be taking your kids for a ski vacation up by us. So let us hey, know. Yeah, so. I think I have family in Colorado, but I'm not really sure in, in where relations. So I might have to find that out. I think but, you do. <laughs> well, you guys have a great rest of your Tuesday. Thank you again yes, for uh, you. hosting with me on this podcast and congratulations again on your top practice. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for all you do yes. and, and giving us this time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. To learn more about eAssist's top practices, visit www.dentalbilling.com and make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode.